We are joined by none other than the man himself, Jimmy Song. What is up, Jimmy? Hey, guys. Good to see you. As always, P and Q. I don't know if you guys are aware of the elliptic curve used in Bitcoin. Are you guys aware of that? It is SEC no. P256K1. Okay. That's SEC P256K1. The complementary curve, little, not that many people know, to that curve is called the SEC Q256K1. What? So one of you is P, the other is Q, and you're like kind of complements of each other. Holy shit. I think we need to change the name of the show to SEC-256K1. <laughs> oh my fucking God. Yeah, you just changed my life. That is wild. And if you actually want to know about the SEC Q curve, there's like a whole Bitcoin, I, I think it's called Blockchain Commons. That's, that's with Christopher Allen's organization. But... There, there's actually a use for the Q curve, and and you can you can do all this other stuff with it, but the P curve is what 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 we use in Bitcoin. Yeah. So P and Q. Just wanted to let you know that little bit of Bitcoin trivia for P and Q. Incredible. I love Jimmy. That my entire life Q has been a forgotten letter. Like I heard it all the time, and even still. For the SEC P two fifty six K one curve, somehow Q is the forgotten letter yet again. Love it. <laughs> I mean, P is um, better, not better letter. <laughs> Jimmy, how goes it, man? What has been, what's been on your mind a lot over the course of the last week since we spoke? What's been on my mind? Well, I mean, it seems that I, I I'm very good at pissing off all coin founders for some reason. No, uh, I don't know if you've seen, but but yeah, there there have been several several tweets directed at me, calling me dumb or stupid or dishonest or something. Talek Buterin and Charles Hotskinson are two of those people, and of course, um, I think Charles Hotskinson like inherited the XRP army or bought them or something because. What I'm seeing is that there are way more Cardano trials than I ever remember. And they're all like 50 follower accounts. That, and they say exactly whatever he said in the reply. So it's like, okay, that's a good block list. So yeah, kind of fun. A little bit tedious because I have to go and individually block each one. I wish Twitter had like a way to select a bunch of tweets and then just say block and then put them all on your block list. But they don't have that. So what can you do? So you, you got to go into more detail. Why does Vitalik hate you so much? Well, so I, I wrote this tweet about proof of stake and he quote tweeted me and just said, you know, it's a complicated thing. And if somebody is making it out to be like a very, very simple issue, then they're probably wrong. So he didn't actually address my tweet at all. The tweet was, you know, proof of stake doesn't solve the Byzantine generals problem. There's no way to get decentralized consensus based on that. That's Hodgkinson's tweet. So you, you can go look at the other one, which is Vitalik's tweet. He quote tweeted me, but I, I, and he was like, and he didn't address it at all. But basically I said, it doesn't solve the Byzantine generals problem because think about it as a node, how are you supposed to know what the next block is, right? If, and with proof of work, it's easy. You just look for a block that has proof of work. You know that they did, they committed enough energy to it to do it. You don't have to listen to anybody else on the network. If you just get that block and it, it, it does proof of work, you're good. With proof of stake, you can get multiple blocks that are valid, 
right? Because you can have a majority of signatures or two thirds or whatever. You have no idea whether or not it, which block to follow. So what ends up happening is you end up following some central organization, which is exactly what Ethereum and Cardano do. And you end up, you know, coming to consensus by way of centralization. And that, that was the point of my tweet. And of course, Vitalik does not address this at all. Instead, he says, if there's a long established tradition of people debating A versus B based on deep arguments, touching on math, economics, and moral philosophy, then you come along saying B is done because of one line technicality involving definitions, you're probably wrong. So he doesn't actually address it at all. It's, hey, we've been arguing this uh, about this for a long time, therefore you're, you're wrong. It, it, it's the most disingenuous, scummy, scammy argument. And of course, Charles Hodgkinson, he, he just calls me stupid as if that's an argument and not a non-hominem. So both these guys are experts at just sort of deflecting the technicals and saying, oh, okay, let's, 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 let's just call this guy stupid and see what happens. So, I mean, it, in a way it, it's, it's par for the course because this is what scammers do. They want to manipulate you emotionally so that you will believe them and not the critic. And that that's always been the case and whether or not that's through an ad hominem or whatever, but uh, generally it's a rhetorical device. In the case of Italic, it's just not addressing the argument at all. It's just, Hey, we've been arguing about this for a while. There's a corpus of literature. I mean, people have been saying exactly what I've been saying as my side of the argument for a long time. It's just that he doesn't want to address it and he wants to pretend that there's a debate when there isn't. It's kind of like saying, you know, there are flat earthers uh, out there and they've been debating it for a long time. And, and therefore, it's, it's not a settled thing. It's, it's an idiotic and stupid and scammy argument. Uh, same thing for Charles, Charles Hodgkinson. But I mean, he, he's, he's going even lower because I guess the, the audience that he has is that sort of like, he, maybe he has a better reality distortion field or whatever. But I mean, none of them addressed anything technical. It's just, oh, Jimmy, you're an idiot. And it's like, okay, well, I guess you're like the XRP army. And hopefully you disappear too during this bear market. I don't know. Could we unpack, because we've now actually brought up the Byzantine generals problem multiple times on today's stream. And I am in no way qualified to try to really explain this to people. Jimmy P, do you two mind tackling just explaining this out for smooth brain people? The Byzantine generals problem. All right. So it's basically the problem of consensus. And the Byzantine generals problem is a little bit esoteric, but basically you have a bunch of generals that are surrounding a city. And as long as they have a coordinated plan, everything will be fine. As long as everybody agrees on what to do, then they will sack the city and, and win the battle. But if they're not coordinated, if even one of them is off, then it's an unsuccessful attack, right? So it's a problem of coordination. How do you coordinate? And the communication lines are weird, right? Like they might be a betrayer, but they don't want to reveal them. They'll, they'll still follow the orders that they're given, but they, they're secretly on the other side. They don't want to like reveal themselves as a spy or whatever. So you have this interesting game where you need some way to come to consensus among all of the generals so that you can attack the city and win. And it's if you don't if you don't coordinate, then you lose. So how do you come up with a plan 
with all of these generals, they, they, they don't have very good ways of communicating with each other. And the message may be changed in the middle at any time. And how do you, how do you, how do, you do that? Well, the, the answer to that is proof of work. <laughs> if you have proof of work, then you know whatever, whatever message you're sending has the proof of work within it. And you can verify the proof of work. So if somebody tries to change it, they have to put in a lot of work in order to change, change that thing. In which case, everybody else might also follow that, in which case they'd still be coordinated and it, it would be done anyway. So, so, so the generals would win. It's a coordination problem. Who do you listen to? How do you know that the information that you're getting is correct? Um, and you could kind of see how this is related to Bitcoin because that's what that's the problem that every node faces is how do I know what the next block is and whether or not that's correct? If you're doing proof of stake, you're relying on other authorities to tell you, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. But with the Byzantine generals problem, that can be manipulated at any time. You might have multiple malicious signers that might want to fork, fork the network or whatever. How do you know? Unless there's some sort of central coordination, which in the Byzantine generals problem that there's not allowed to be, then 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 you can't do it with proof of stake. You can't just do it with signatures. You need some you you need proof of work in order to figure out, hey, I'm a node. I just want to know what the next block is. How do I know what the next block is? And if it's if it's proof of stake, it's signed by X number of signatures. Well, there could be multiple blocks that are very different that have the correct number of signatures. How do I know which one to go with? And that that's where like proof of stake just doesn't work. It doesn't solve this problem. You can't coordinate and have everybody be on the same page. In the case of Bitcoin, like as a ledger, figuratively speaking, that's that's exactly what you want to do is you want to progress the blockchain and have a consistent database with everybody following the same exact you know chain, basically. But with proof of stake, you can fork very easily unless you have a centralized controller that tells you, okay, you have to do it this way or else we're going to take away the stake from you. And that's basically how they enforce it, which is completely centralized. It doesn't solve anything. It's, and if you're going to do that, you might as well just make it a centralized database, but they want to keep the decentralized and name only stuff. So that's what they do. And that that's the essence of the Byzantine generals problem. I don't know if I've explained it enough so that you guys have a general idea of what's going on. I mean, it sounds to me like just Order 66 from Star Wars, where, spoiler alert, all of the, oh my God, I can't think of what the, the clones turned on all the Jedis and killed them. That only works <laughs> if all the clones turn and kill all the Jedi. So they didn't. But on the proof of stake, Ahmed, and Chris, if you can pull up the back forth with Charles Hoskinson, you bring up something that very recently happened in Solana, where you know if you didn't vote with the way that the, the powers that be wanted you to, your hand was forced. And all of a sudden, the whale's account was completely shut down. Talk to us about like how is that even... First, how is it possible? B, how do people still believe this is DeFi? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, with proof of stake, you basically have to rely on the goodwill of the people doing the signing, the, the stakers, if you will. And and you, you, you're depending on them to be honest and sign the right thing. But how do you know what the right thing is? <laughs> like everybody has a dif different mempool or whatever. And essentially what they do is they give you the software that you should run and it does exactly what they want it to do. So ultimately it becomes a completely centralized farce. And if you try to 
do anything else, then they just take your money away. That's that that's how it works is whatever you have stake that you give up if you don't sign exactly the way they want you to. Now, this is the ultimate in decentralized and name only, right? Like you guys, you know, it, it's based on a vote of 12 different people, but they have to vote exactly the way we want. So it's it's theater all the way around. And, and you know, like I, I get it, like this, if this truth got out and like people actually understood it, then they would be like, why the hell am I doing this? Uh, but, you know, they 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 want to fud this thing to death. So they just call me stupid or something. I guess that's the best argument that they had. But th this is exactly how proof of stake works, or at least the mechanism in Ethereum, Cardano and Solana, as far as I know. There, there's so many other proof of stake things as well. So who knows how many of them are, you know, how, how many of them have that kind of penalty and what other stuff that they use. But it just simply does not work. It doesn't solve decentralized coordination. You don't, you don't like as a as a node, you're supposed to get data from all over the place and you're not supposed to trust the data unless you can verify it. And signatures, you can verify signatures, of course, but they cost nothing. So the person doing the signing can lie to you just as much as anybody else. With proof of work, it's just okay, they put in the work and that that's your proof instead of relying. It, in, instead of relying on somebody's will, you rely on somebody's you know willingness to input energy, and that that ultimately ends up being far more robust and actually decentralized. So maybe we can address. I don't really care to really address that. I'd rather instead, JB, like what are Byzantine generals' problem? staking and the fact that it's not decentralized what are some other just broader issues or lies that are perpetuated in the crypto space that we can debunk right here and now just off the top of your head well i maybe maybe we could go back to the article that i wrote like 10 days ago and released on bitcoin magazine but it's it's this problem of fiat knowledge right and most people depend on experts or authorities to tell them what to believe instead of actually verifying things for themselves. And every altcoin encourages this. And you can kind of see it with the Hodgkinson, Vitalik stuff. They're all just sort of like cheering for their team, pretending this is like an NFL game or something like that. And that's how people act on Twitter instead of actually going and finding out the truth. In Bitcoin, we encourage people to verify not trust and you, you get the knowledge directly. So something like the Byzantine generals problem, I'm trying to show you the work, right? Like here is what that problem is and here's how, how proof of work solves it. And if you understand all of that terminology and really dig deep into it, you get it. Okay, it's decentralized consensus. Proof of stake doesn't do that. And, and, you know, we could call it something else, but it's, uh, it's not decentralized. And that's something that you can verify yourself by going in and learning yourself. Instead, what most people do is they want to take shortcuts. They're lazy or something. So they, they will just go and read whatever the authorities tell them. It's like, I, I only trust stuff from Huffington Post, or I only trust stuff from Fox News. It's it's idiotic. That's not the way you're supposed to learn stuff. You're you're supposed to actually go and verify whatever because the the people, the authorities that tell you this stuff, they know you're depending on them and they abuse that uh to the nth degree. And they they make you do stuff idiotic and 
even if you know better, a, a lot of doctors during COVID, for example, like did just refused to speak up, even though they knew that what the CDC was saying was stupid. But they refused to speak up because they knew that like going against the authorities narrative would, would have a lot of consequences. And this is where fiat knowledge is is very dangerous because it it forces this sort of like conformity. And you can see it in all these altcoins. And quite frankly, some Bitcoiners honestly could use, you know, another level of verification, right? Like to learn like another level of stuff so that you really understand what the heck is going on. And you can articulate those arguments to all coiners because they don't understand anything about their currency. I, I guarantee you, they don't understand anything. And the, the, the best argument that they'll give is you're stupid or you don't understand it. And, and you ask them if they understand it and they say they do, but they actually don't. You know, they, they, this is the weird, stupid game that we're playing because nobody wants to do the hard work of actually learning this stuff. The only people that do are the altcoin founders and and they know they're bullshitting and they can they can kind of get away with it because you know what most people do is they go oh well, truth is probably somewhere in between i'm too lazy to actually go and verify stuff so i'll i'll just go with this in between moderate position and that'll be safe that's not safe not not when it comes to truth not when it comes to money you can you can be like okay well maybe flat earthers have a point and you know i need i, I need to you know, hedge my position by being half flat earther. That that's idiotic. It doesn't work that way. And and unfortunately, that's what a lot of people in altcoins are. It, it's okay. I own some Bitcoin, but I don't know any of this stuff, and I don't want to actually go learn. So I'm gonna, you know, I, they, this is the problem of fiat knowledge, and we've been sort of like made to like sort of accept knowledge in this way rather than actually go verify things for ourselves. It's it's the fiat sheet mentality that we all grow up with in school. And and this is this is really, really sad. How much of this though is rooted not so much in like our modern day systems, but rather just human psychology and biases where if I believe this and someone says something that further strengthens my argument, I'm going to believe that their argument is truthful versus if someone is saying something that I don't agree with, I'm just instinctively going to be like, oh, they're dumb. They're wrong. Like, mm -hmm. to be honest, I'm just going to call it out. Literally right now, what's happening in our rumble chat, Rokor, mm -hmm. Jimmy is just saying things that you don't like. And now you're just saying, well, he's wrong, dumb, and stupid instead of pausing and thinking these things through for yourself. I'm not saying agree with what Jimmy is saying. I'm just saying pause and think that maybe his perspective, which is vastly different than yours, may be right. And maybe there are things for you to unlock. How much of it is just human psychology? I, a lot of it is, but we're, we're definitely sort of taught that that is good. And if you look through like historical writings and think about virtue and all of this other stuff, you know, the whole point of school, right? Like, you know, some say like Socrates was like the first one to have any kind of school. He kind of invented school in that way. The whole idea was to learn things from first principles and figure out what is true rather than here's this whole set of stuff that you should just swallow without questioning anything or learning what, whatever. That's unfortunately what fiat education has become is here's what we want you to spit spit back at us when we ask these questions instead of let's explore 
think start from first principles and go out and figure out what's actually and that that's real knowledge as opposed to fiat knowledge unfortunately most people are inundated with fiat knowledge and they think that's actually good that that it's it's a virtue to have fiat knowledge to think that you need to double mask outdoors for everyone's safety and not kill grandma it's idiotic if you think from first principles okay first of all you're outdoors and you know you're uh, you're double masking. How many old people do you see every day? Very few, if any. And, you know, like it, it's stuff like that that just people refuse to think about. And uh, and I get it. Like there, there's a there's a certain comfort in thinking that your narrative is correct and that okay, I I swallowed this ideology whole hog. And you know there there's comfort in that because you have all the answers sort of already there with real knowledge, you have to deal with a lot of uncertainty and a lot of I don't knows. And I'm not sure how that works or what what I, I, don't, I don't know how that it, it's a lot more humbling. And it doesn't let you be in this sort of like knowledge high ground or something like that, where Oh, you know, I know what's right. And I'm in this ivory tower, or I'm not in the ivory tower. But the ivory tower guy says uh, that you're wrong. And therefore, you know, you're wrong. And you're an idiot. Ha 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 ha. ha. I get to I get to be I, I get to pretend to be superior to you. That's unfortunately like the the in the thing that a lot of people indulge in is thinking that they're smart because they know something that they've been told rather than verifying something that they've actually thought about. You'd be a lot more humble about something if you actually had to go and verify, you know, actual truths. And and that's hard work. And most people just don't want to do it. They'd rather have the comfort of fiat knowledge with which lets them live in this sort of like uh you know aura of superiority and thinking that they know more stuff than other people and that because they're on the right team that they're somehow winners um actually you're you're the you know lowest of the slaves because you you can be manipulated at any point for any reason just by the authority telling you so and Unfortunately, we've seen that way too often, especially in the political sphere. And it's it's sad. I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, what what I find particularly interesting, and this is sort of veering off in a digression a little bit, is in politics, oftentimes what you see is people that are way on the left or way on the right, right? They, they swap, right? At some point, they become disillusioned, and then they go all the way on the other side, and they have the exact same behavior. <laughs> they, they attack the other side in exactly the same way. And uh, and they swallow sort of truths the same exact way. They haven't changed their minds per se. They just chose the different master, right? Like to actually really change your mind is to go and verify things for yourself and to go and learn something for yourself. And unfortunately, not, not too many people are willing to do that. Very few people actually, you know, go learn things from first principles, for example. And that's, that, that's to our detriment. And that's probably a large part of why we've made so little scientific progress in many ways. So yeah, that's my rant about fiat knowledge and how it hurts everybody. So yeah. And, you know, uh, of course, dunking on all coiners as a side effect. <laughs> well, how much of this though is rooted around and not to piggyback off of another article you wrote, but just like the fiat education system where mm. in my personal experience, having gone to public school from the second grade until my senior year of high school, 
my public school education and my private school education was different. And I felt like I, I was given a very different incentive structure where in public school, I was genuinely, let me just memorize everything for tomorrow and then I'm done versus having to have like these thoughtful analyses and thoughtful procedures to really learn the steps to build something out in both college as well as like, I still remember like little things from first grade and private school where I'm like, that was more helpful 30 years or I'm not 20 years later, 25 years later than learning my times table was in the third grade. Mind you, I'm the weird person who's like still uses high school level algebra in my day-to-day life because I just like math like that. (laughs) So like how much of this is the public education system. Oh, it's an enormous part of it. And, and they're very good at inculcating that because the public education system turns out people that are very compliant to authority. And fiat knowledge is a part of that compliance. It's accept these truths uh, as we say them, not as something that you've discovered on your own, a self-evident, if you will. And that that's unfortunately what the powers that be want, because that makes for a population that's less likely to revolt or, you know, have revolution or whatever. I mean, if, if people knew how money actually worked, you know, Henry Ford said that there'd be a revolution tomorrow. They don't, which is why they continue to be ignorant about money and economics and, you know, all all of the other things around the economy, which are manipulated to death. We're purposefully kept in the dark about certain things, as are a lot of all quitters, right? They're kept in the dark about proof of stake or centralization points or how how these founders pre-mined and, you know, printed a whole bunch of tokens for themselves and their VC friends. They don't want anybody to know about that. And in the case of something like even BSV, they keep themselves in the, you know, CSW's origins or his scammy past and all this other stuff. It's it's a very strange kind of like almost self-deception. I think in 1984, this would be called double thing. Like here's the official narrative that I believe that you have to believe, but the actual truth is something else. And you're going to keep that in the back of your mind for engineering calculations or something like that. But for the sake of public disclosure, this is what you always say, something like that. And that's that's an, that's unfortunately something that a lot of people are taught. And this is, you know, a, a sad part of the communication today. So much of it is bureaucratic. So much of it is box checking. I mean, what, what were your tests in high school, in public high school, other than box checking? It's preparing you to become a rent seeker. It's literally, okay, did you get this answer correct? And it's, it's all multiple choice or whatever. And uh, it's all memorization. And if you did things properly, you got an A. If you didn't, then you got a C or whatever. I mean, th- this this is how it all all works. You know, th- this is the world that they want to build, one where everyone is compliant to authority. And it's way more socialist. I, I keep saying this. It's way more socialist than we think. Kind of live in a socialist place, right? whether we like it or not. I mean, look, we live in a socialist country. It's social capitalism in a nutshell. I'll even expand on your point. Like college assessment tests like the SAT or the ACT are multiple choice. And based on these multiple choice tests, I recently found out that my ACT scores actually beat out President Barack Obama. So 
That's nice. how smart I am. Nice. It, like, it's all a joke. It, it <laughs> truly was like just cram as much. Like, it's it's a joke, and I it frustrates me a little bit because we don't seem to have a viable solution. Although any legislator that wants to talk to me about what I actually want to do with the entire public education system, brilliant idea, sliding in my DMs, like let's change the world. But until that moment happens, this is sort of the situation at hand. So how do we convince people to do something else? How do we convince them to look at it through a different lens? Or is this an unfortunate byproduct of this entire ecosystem and system that we live in? Yeah. Mm you know the, the the this whole system is just so corrupt and fiat i mean the, fiat is like a word that i keep using but to describe all this stuff i mean let's just remember where it comes from fiat is let there be and let and the reason why we say fiat money is because let there be money that's essentially what every central bank does let there be money and they they create money out of nothing and it's become sort of like an adjective as a result, even though it's really a verb in Latin. But it describes the authority, right? Like the them sort of creating reality for you. And that's what fiat knowledge is. It's, it's reality created so that you will be compliant to everything that they want you to believe, rather than the reality as it exists. And those two things are oftentimes very different. Sometimes they're the same, but oftentimes they're very different because it is to the advantage of those that tell you this stuff. So, you know, knowing all of that, you know, you should be very careful and learn all of this stuff and verify and not trust what the authorities tell you and go from first principles. And, uh, you know, I know this is hard work. You know, any anytime people get engaged in this hard work of verifying stuff, they find new stuff and they, they come up with new ways of thinking about stuff. This is how discovery happens. And this, this, is, this was the explosion of science. A lot of people think, oh, science is opposed to religion or whatever actually science came out of the christian church <laughs> and it, it, it was a large part of of why they were doing that it was because they wanted to learn reality from first principles and it's you know that's something that you can do as well right like learn stuff from first principles that, that that's how knowledge expands and that's how you know new discoveries are made and so on instead we have Lots of fiat knowledge. I mean, currently, I, I wrote that whole article about fiat science, how that's gone completely awry. And it's 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 just sort of made up stuff that no one can disprove that they're all sort of like circle jerking to. It's 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 completely in in it's completely inane at this point. And that's something that I hope with Bitcoin, when as people learn to verify and not trust, that they start changing their mentality towards it. and and learning things from first principles and not being lazy and just, you know, oh, what's the popular opinion? Okay, I'll, I'll adopt that as my opinion because I want to be cool that way or whatever. That's the exact wrong way to arrive at truth. Unfortunately, that's the human tendency and that's way too common. And this, this is why obviously wrong things in history became popular because people would rather be with the majority than, you know, tell the truth and get martyred or something. This is this is the of every prophet, right? Is they tell the truth, but they're the only ones that tell the truth and they get martyred or killed for it. Now, fortunately, that isn't happening as much today. But you know, you, you can see that sort of stuff online where people get angry at you for saying something that 
is against, uh, you know, sort of against their reality and they, they don't like it. Yeah. So the, the, this is my admonition to everyone to level up, learn things from first principles and, and verify things yourself. Don't, don't trust me. Don't trust Pete. Don't trust Q. Don't trust Bitcoin magazine. Trust what you can verify on your own. And if you're not confident about that, go learn and learn to be confident. This is something that is well worth your time because all the people that actually make a difference learn learn this stuff, right? Like that, if you want to make a positive impact, this is almost a prerequisite. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, we were talking about this earlier to shift topics, but mm -hmm. um, the celsius and voyager filings for bankruptcy so we were kind of we were talking about it earlier and discussing how this is a, an attempt to basically take control of the assets that their customers have deposited in their accounts mm -hmm. and i was curious if you had any thoughts about that specifically if you had done any research on it if you heard anything around that because basically the claim was that they should be not doing that they should be going through the you know, kind of standard SPIC process, which would allow their customers to, you know, retain control essentially of their assets. Yeah. The thing is like customers are usually like the last in line at these things. Uh, the VCs and the investors, they're, they're the ones that, you know, poured in way more money. So they're going to have a lot more pull. Customers are sort of like the mob on the outside, but you're bankrupt anyways. And you know, I mean, what can they do to you at, at a certain point? But the the VCs, they can they can hurt you, right? Like if you try anything else in the future, you're pretty much blacklisted from all of their investments and stuff like that. So it can be very difficult. So from the founder's perspective of these places, they want to satisfy their creditors first rather than the depositors. And I suspect that's the dynamic at play. They'll give lip service to the customers. But really, they, they need to satisfy the people that are in power. And this is exactly how things work in Washington, too, right? Like, they give lip service to all the voters, but really, you have to satisfy the people that actually have the power. And it's it's concentrated power. And the, this, this, unfortunately, is how centralized things work. And yeah, there, there are lots of depositors that are probably going to get sued. But hey, not your keys, not your coins. You learned your lesson. Go use it for good rather than just being bitter about it or whatever. We knew that these people are immoral and I mean, they're kind of showing it, right? Like, and you know, this is every single one of these people in, in the altcoin space. I mean, so, some of them, I guess, maybe have pure motives or and don't know necessarily that they're complete scammers, but vast majority of them know what they're doing and they, they ha harbored these doubts and maybe they're pushing them back down. They're double thinking their way out of it or whatever, but this this is this is a par for the course. Got it. Q, what do you think? Do you have any other uh, thoughts, questions, rants for Jimmy Song, or should we call it a day? I mean, I I'm kind of curious if you are you in the camp that believes that things like you know these shit coins and every single attempt to essentially get people to send someone else their Bitcoin. Are these attacks, are these attempts going to stop or will they just continue to perpetuate into the next cycle and cycles beyond? 
Yeah. So th- this is taking advantage of people being so compliant right, and trusting. They they like to trust. They don't verify. So if you have a scammer that's asking for their funds, they think, oh, okay, well, I, maybe I should trust this person. Um, and th- this is the sort of hack on the compliance to authorities that we've been inculcated with since we were little. Yeah. The, these scams work because the fiat system exists until it's completely abolished and people learn things from first principles. This isn't going to change. And, you know, hopefully that starts changing as Bitcoin becomes a lot more mainstream and more people adopt it. But in the meantime, you, you know, billions of very fiat educated people with fiat knowledge and a compliance to, to authority. So anyone that acts like a, an authority tends to get a pretty good following. I mean, this is what every altcoin is, isn't it? Like, there's a reason why Vitalik has over a million followers and Hodgkinson has like 900,000. They act as if they're from authority and they speak with a confidence uh, to get their followers to be compliant to them. And they successfully hacked into the fiat knowledge system for their own benefit. And, you know, Bitcoin is uh, very different in that regard. We, 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 expect everyone to verify and not trust. Don't trust. Don't trust, right? Like just go verify things for yourself. And you're not going to be given like a whole bunch of things that you have to swallow and believe. It's just you have to go verify stuff for yourself. And it, it is very tempting to go to an altcoin and find all the comfort of having an ideology that's more or less laid out for you. And all of the, you know, thinking that you don't have to do. Thinking is hard and it's going to hurt a little bit because you have to put in the time and effort to understand it all. But once you do, it's it's yours. It's like really yours. It's you actually possess that knowledge instead of borrowing from some Ivy Ivy League tower, you know, what what you're supposed to believe. And that's that's a much better thing to have. And you know, yeah, unfortunately, these scams work because people are so used to doing that. I love Chris's comment, the legacy banks are the legacy scammers. Jimmy, I want to give you just sort of the final word before we dive into the bottom of your song sheet for the week. And I give you my favorite signs you're becoming a Bitcoin maximalist. <laughs> Well, I've been thinking about like, you know, how meaningless a lot of people's lives feel like these days. And and that's probably the next, well, that is the next article that I'm going to write about. Uh, But it's rather sad, isn't it? That so many people strive for so little. They just want like a promotion or an extra hundred bucks a week or a thousand, you know, dollars a week or something like that. And like, that's what they work their whole lives for, to make partner at a firm or something like that. What happened to our dreams, right? What ha- what happened to, you know, trying to live your best life and make a difference? And it's rather sad to me that so many people have lost those dreams of trying to make an impact and making a mark on the world based on the unique gifts and talents that you might have. And I, I think that Bitcoin is that hope is that it gives you space to think about those things. Because if you are living in a fiat society, whether you're in debt or not, if you're in debt, then you're concerned with servicing that debt. If if you have savings, then you're concerned with keeping your savings. And it just keeps you so busy that you don't have room to think about 
what you want to do, your purpose, your me your meaning in life to do something with the freedom, because in a sense, fiat shackles you to money, wh whether you have debt or savings. Whereas with Bitcoin, you're sort of free from that concern of money because you have savings. Once you've saved up a couple of years worth of income in Bitcoin, you don't have to worry about it because it'll be, it'll still be there and no one can take it away from you. And that gives you room to think. And so thinking about that next step, about what you actually want to accomplish in life, I think that's a, that's an important question that all of us will have to wrestle with as we sort of mature as a community. What impact do you personally want to have on the world? And, you know, what, how, how are you going to get there? Because, you know, if you're working a fiat job, that's going to be near impossible to even think about. The goals that you're going to accomplish are based on whatever fiat company that you're working for or whatever career that you've chosen. It's whatever the top of that profession is, which honestly isn't that meaningful, is it? that meaningful to be the Super Bowl MVP? I mean, I guess in some sense it is, but in another sense, the impact that you're making, not really. Uh, how about partner at a major law firm? Not really. Even president of the United States, not really. I mean, like all, all of these things are sort of like you you have to make all, the, all of these compromises along the way and have to have all of this luck happen so that you can get into that position. Right. And we're not thinking in terms of what impact we can make with the unique talents that we have. Because there are certain people that are very good at the football, but you're probably not one of them, right? So what is it that you are uniquely situated to do? And how can you make an impact with the talents that you have? And that that's something that I'm thinking about and I'm, I'm trying to write about and hopefully will write about and have something out there for all of you on Monday. Beautiful Fantastic. word. I will just leave you with, with this one that made me chuckle, but uh, you get, actually, you know what? I'll do the one above it because it feeds off of what you just said, but 10 signs you're becoming a Bitcoin maximalist. Number seven was when you have free time, you spend it on improving yourself. Sound mind, sound body. P, which one's yours? Honestly, that was my favorite one as well. You fucking stole it from me, you bastard. Uh, <laughs> I think it's super important. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. And it's all too easy in this day and age to neglect one's physical and mental faculties in favor of just sort of being in this morass of stimulation. And it takes effort and it takes diligence and you know, all of us struggle with it at different times, but it's super important. Indeed it is. Yeah, but that's, that's, uh, I'm glad I, I don't know if this one was as funny as I wanted it to be, but hopefully, hopefully I mean, you guys, you guys can, you know, yeah, uh, be gracious and read it anyway. Absolutely. All right. Well, on that note, I want to remind everyone that Bitcoin Amsterdam tickets are on sale. They go up in price in the very near future. If you have not already got a ticket, go check it out. It's going to be an amazing conference. Q and I will be there. It's going to be fantastic. Also, the censorship-resistant issue of the magazine is out now. It is the best edition of the magazine we've produced so far. Incredible articles and super high-quality content, investigative journalism, good stuff all around. We will see you tomorrow here, same time, same place. That's all we got. Peace. Peace.